Come chat with Libby, Molly, and Samantha, the ladies of Consignment Chats, as we build a resourceful community of collaborative resellers. Hey, y'all. Welcome to episode 143 of Consignment Chats. This is one of our roundtable episodes. We have not done one of these in a long time, so we are uber excited to be here with three amazing friends. So we are going to talk today about hybrid selling, about selling online and brick and mortar. Talk about, I think we have some that may have done that, may be interested, may be curious. We're going to chat all about it. First, we're going to start and go around and let people give us a brief introduction. Of and don't forget, we're going to talk about buying out, right? We're going to talk about consignment, about different ways, different ways to do it as well. Yeah. There all the go. different business models of resellers. There yeah. you go. Um, so I'm going to start, Melanie, with you, if you'll just give us a brief introduction of who you are in your business. My name is Melanie, and my business and life partner is Jill. And we've been doing this since 2017, and our business name is Retail Therapist. Love hmm. it. Jason? Uh, my name is Jason Spangler. I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina. I sell in a small niche of Boy Scout memorabilia, and I've been doing it since 2007. I sell on eBay and Shopify. Love it. Ashley. I'm Ashley and I, I'm in Arizona. I sell on Kitazen and eBay. I do a lot of uh, children's clothes, women's clothes, and also dishes. Ooh, that's okay. a nice little grouping there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Liv, you want to start us off? I'm assuming everybody here knows yeah. who three of us are, so we won't introduce ourselves. Yeah, so um, I, I will. I'm Libby. <laughs> I'm in the Scranton area of Pennsylvania. Yes, where the office is um, located. That's what everybody says. Oh, wait, where the office is. I'm like, yep. All right. So I have experience in all sorts of things. Antique booths, buying outright, uh, brick and mortar, running a, like a hybrid um, model with a brick and mortar and online. Um, you name it. I, I think we pretty much run the gamut between Molly and I of different models we've used in reselling. Where I settled right now, where my comfort spot is, is online. Um, I, after trying all these things, I do online and I do consignment. Um, I buy outright didn't work great for me. Uh, it was a little bit too much work. So I like the consignment aspect of it. Uh, I will buy outright if I get a really good deal and somebody really wants to offload something. I will do that. We know how to do that. We'll be happy to answer questions about that. Um, but that is kind of where I am today and where I'm comfortable is online. I did also did away with uh, the antique booths that I sold in. Uh, tried that. It was fun. Uh, it was just way more profitable for me to sell that those items online than be running around and and doing the antique booths. So. Um, that's where I've settled, but yeah. All right, Samantha, we'll let you do an introduction. Yeah. Go for it. <laughs> All right. I'm Samantha and I'm in the upper peninsula of Michigan, basically Canada. And I sell mostly consignment. I sell it all online. However, I do a lot of local Facebook group stuff. So some of it's a lot of like local pickup and meeting people and then the eBay and Poshmark and all that stuff. Um, I am mostly consignment, especially in the wintertime. We have a long winter and very little thrift stores or garage sales. So I do 
kind of like to source, not really, but sometimes, and I will garage sale or auction, but uh, otherwise, i just rather it come to me. I like consignment. There you go. All right, I'll give you a quick on me then. I'm Molly, and I pretty much piggyback on Libby. I'm, I work with her under her business, but I'm Jason's neighbor in Greensboro, North Carolina, um, and I do everything online. I do some consignment. I'm a little different, although I'm in Libby's business under her business name. Um, I do love to source, so I do a lot of sourcing for my product and much more of that and much less of consigning, so I kind of go the opposite of the two of them. When you introduced yourself, I thought you were going to say, hi, I'm Molly and I'm a sourceaholic. Yeah, right? That would be me. I really thought you were going to say that. Okay. That would be me. I'm actually in the seven-step program right now um, and I am not sourcing I am listing like a banshee. So y'all st stay hey, with me on this. I'll All take right. the pats on the back as I make it through this. <laughs> right, it's, right. It's day by day with her, really. That's, it really yeah. is. That's all we can yeah. ask. Yeah. yeah, day by day. <laughs> so as we talk about different business models and different ways to do it, I what my philosophy has been in the past you know, couple of years was to double down on what was working. And that's how I kind of, um, modified or refines my model into online consignment with very little buy outright. So um, I just kept doubling down on what was working and putting my energy into what was working, my focus into what was working. So that's how I kind of landed on what I do now of online consignment. And I sell on eBay and Poshmark um, along with live selling. So um, yeah, I kind of want to hear about like, Melanie, you have a lot of different things going on um how what is working for you and what that looks like when you when you source and find your product and yeah we're gluttons for punishment we we have zero boundaries when it comes to work and we feed off of each other but we actually as far as our business model it has uh like changed you know through the years as we have learned and as we as our priorities have shifted uh we're totally online the only thing that would even come close to a brick and mortar that we've kicked around, but we haven't gone in that direction yet is possibly doing like a prop rental. Uh, I know I, there are more and more, there's more and more filming being done here in Vegas. We're in Las Vegas. And so that could be something down the line. Um, but we are totally online for now because we're hermits and we, we love being only online, <laughs> but we used to only thrift. And we would throw up everything. And then we kind of got to the point where we wanted to move to a higher average sale price, lower volume model. So we did that. And we did a lot of liquidation pallets from Macy's liquidation. You were saying, you know, double down on works, what works best. Actually, the tabletop uh, stuff worked best for us. The dishes like Ashley does the dishes and uh, table linens and you know, what have you. Um, and it was also kind of fun because it was so pretty, right? You know, it was like Kate Spade and Lennox and Wedgwood and all that stuff. It was so pretty. So we did a lot of that for a while. And we kind of, we had, a, a, with our other business, we had a really good cash flow. Well, we lost a client or a client actually lowered our commission. And so when, while we had the cash flow, we were like, buying like crazy and we have like a unit and a half of death pile in our backyard. <laughs> so Money mountains. Money Mountain. 
But and let me tell you, we've been going through that money mountain and we've been we've been making some money on it. So so anyway, when when that cli- other client, you know, when we lost the income from the other client, we were like, okay, it let's let's be responsible here. So we have been going through our money mountain, but we can't be totally responsible because then we met this lady who has this amazing eye and we took her on as a consignment client. We hadn't done a lot of consignment because sometimes it gets a little sticky and a little tricky, and we were very hesitant. It took us a few months to say, okay, we'll take you on as a consignment client. But the more stuff she would pull out and show us, we were like, oh my gosh, you know, and the more we got to know, we were like, okay, I think we can trust her. Hopefully it's not going to go off the rails. Um, And it's been great. We started doing that with her in February. And I've seen some of those sales on your social media, check out retail therapist because they're incredible. She finds the most amazing stuff. And there was one that I didn't post. I almost posted it and I looked at Jill and I was like, I don't want people to think we're bragging because we're not. We didn't find this. She's out there every day. And she and also she just knows like when, when we were showing her around our property, we took her in our clothing pod and she went straight to the Chanel. She just has a nose for it. You know, like she's a she, Molly. She, she, <laughs> she can find it. She can sniff it out. Right. There was a uh, studio pottery platter, it was like 14 inch platter, and it was made in Mississippi by this couple back in the 60s, whatever, who sold it for $2,200. I'm like, come on, how do you write? Like how? I don't know. But hey, I'm glad that she found us and we found her and it's worked so far. It's working out great. And if she doesn't overload us to the point that we can't get to our money mountain. So we've been able to actually clear out a lot of space. And and now we, we're, you know, using that that real estate for other things. And I think that's wow. a great point, too, is people think when they think consignment, they think they have to take on hundreds of people and like all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I know some people, they just have one relationship like like what you guys have with that one sourcer or they're in touch with one store that gives them first dibs on things or their clearance items or like it only takes a couple relationships to have it be diversify your mix or have it be really lucrative you don't have to have you know 70 consigners or anything like that right and it just depends on the items that you're picking up but also maybe you're like molly and you love to source you just need some supplement to what you're sourcing and you're good to go yep Yeah, I like to keep some in my pocket in case times were to ever get tough and, you know, there's no sourceable items or, you know, things can change. We've been through that already once recently in the last couple of years where it can be hard. But if you have those consigners in your pocket, you've always you've always got some things coming in. So one of my (laughs) one of my favorites is a reseller and she used to be on multiple platforms. She used to sell everything. She niched down, niched down. But she still loves to source all those things. She just doesn't want to put them in her Poshmark store because it doesn't go with her vibe or her look or whatever. It's not stuff she wants to ship, whatever the case. So she consigns with me and she still has a great eye. She just doesn't want to deal with the other parts of it. This is what I say I should be like a personal shopper. I'll just go out and buy the stuff and I'll give it to you to list. Like I just want to go find it. (laughs) But that's nice that you have a client like that because she understands every step of the business right if they understand sell through rate it is such a game changer like they can comp and know what that means i'm like yes "Yes." yeah 
So I have um, one of the things that's been working well for me and building is I have a lot of Amazon sellers and I sell their returns or things they get gated in. I know I've mentioned this before, but I love getting their stuff and putting it in my store because most of it's new with tags. They have their like they're just high velocity, right? They're like million dollar sellers, right? They don't want to be bothered with one offs on eBay and it, so it works. They're thrilled, right? They're thrilled. They're, you know, making 50% um, of whatever it sells for over the course of um, 60 days. They're like totally thrilled with that. And I love that for diversifying my business. And they have totally realistic expectations. Yes. Um, yeah, because what would they do with it otherwise, right? It just fills up in a room or, you know, it goes into a landfill because a lot of that Amazon stuff is destroyed. So that's been a really interesting um addition over the last couple of years for me that's been growing pretty rapidly yeah all right so ashley tell us a little bit about your model and um what's working uh, maybe things you have questions about or concerns well i've been reselling for about a year now so i'm fairly new to this business Welcome. And, well, thank you. And I've noticed it's a big thing in Northern Arizona. So it sparked my interest. And then I met um, someone who cleans out estates. Mm -hmm. And I noticed, like, because I once was a shopper more before. Okay. And I noticed that he only sell certain things. So I started asking, what do you do with the rest of your stuff? And he just drops it off at a Goodwill or his favorite charity shop. And I'm like, well, what kind of stuff are you just getting rid of? And he's like, it's good stuff. Williamson Sonoma dishes, Weatherford Crystal. And I'm like, oh, wait, wait a second. You're dropping that stuff off at Goodwill. How about, how would I sell it for you and um, give you half the profit? And he, he jumped on it. He's given me boxfuls of dishes and stuff he hasn't even gone through. And that's been great. And um, because of my son, I was getting into children, children's clothing. And I noticed that there's a huge market for high-end children's clothes. So I started learning about all these different brands and whatnot. And now not only do I dress my son better, but I have been <laughs> finding children's clothing. And now one of my neighbors across the streets has tubs of children's clothes in her garage. And I'm like, I could sell that for you. So just getting into conversations with people uh, has gotten me clients in order to sell. And I'm like, well, how can I get more clients? How can I put myself well, I can tell you, out there? I can tell you right now, the only thing I don't take is children's clothing. So if you shoot me all of your information, I can get some people in your direction that will mail you stuff. They, they're very upset that I don't take children's clothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, Samantha, I'm happy to do that for you. <laughs> no. impact on that one. Um, uh, children's clothing is very specific though because you can't take mm -hmm. any brands you got to take those high-end brands like yeah. um like carter's is everywhere and unless it's super awesome carter's um or cat and jack you don't really want to resell it unless it's in a whole bundle and then you're getting like two dollars an item Mm -hmm. But you can resell it as a batch. But what you're really looking for is like mini Bowden or um, tea collection. Tea collection is my favorite brand. I love dressing mm -hmm. with run and stuff. Even if it's stained or whatnot or worn down, just the quality holds. Like I feel like the fabric on it makes it 
makes him look nicer and feel better. And that's really what matters. And then when he's done with it, I can just sell it again because those higher quality brands, it doesn't matter if it has a little tiny hole or a stain, parents still love it. I am so excited that you are on here because you are actually the first person I've met that knows that met personally that knows a lot about children's clothes and higher end children's clothes and brands. So super excited to have you as a part of the community. I mean, this is, yes. this is wonderful. Yeah. yeah. That's like information. I am still learning these things. And a lot of these high end brands for adults, they have a children's line. And then you find the adults that absolutely love that brand, um, like Penguin. I found a really cute outfit mm. for a one-year-old that's, that's a Penguin brand for a little boy. And the, the adults that love those brands, they want to dress their kids to match them. Like yeah. to, to, to wear like daddy-son outfits that are matching is like super in. Oh, and those are hard to find. And that's yeah. the advantage of children's clothing. And, and people will pay up for that. Oh, all right. Yeah, this is really, this is really cool. All right. So, you know, my, my question to you is going to be, I, I don't know, everybody probably has the same question. All right. So you have this stuff coming in. Do you have a manageable amount of inventory now, or is it coming in faster than you can process it? Or what, what kind of stage are you at right now? Well, about a year ago, I had some relatives staying with me uh, from Ukraine. And uh, she had a couple of kids and I had my son. So I decided to order a couple of bales from a rag house of children's clothes. And the two of us went through it together and we started a market stall together because she's looking for things to do while she's in America. And we took out all the kids clothes for ourselves. So I learned about children's brands really quickly. So that got me started as a whole. And then I started discovering where can I sell the rest of this stuff? Because... Uh, I'm in Arizona, but I'm in the mountains. So we have winter here. So I'm not going to run a market stall in the winter. And uh, I found Kitazen. And Kitazen taught me about those higher brands because I'm like, well, what is this? So I start looking up, what is this company? I I've never heard of this company. And then as I'm going through the Kitazen uh, listings and looking up the different brands, I'm like, hey, this is really cool stuff. And then I go to Goodwill and source those things and just look at the tags. And, and you can kind of get to know tags as well. It's, it's very similar to adult clothing where you see those tags. So I started out that way. And then I, and then I discovered um, that a lot of my neighbors are keeping or, or a lot of my son's friends, parents are keeping their kids clothes because people keep these tubs of clothes in their garages. Mm -hmm. And I just started saying hey I can sell this for you so mm -hmm. it's, it's not that things are coming in as quickly it's that I have to go through it sooner in order to find what is good what would sell on these platforms what is higher end what did they get as a gift and not realize the value of this is this made out of bamboo is this made out of rayon you know it's like well that bamboo stuff you know, parents are looking for that for hypoallergenic purposes for the kids like you don't want um babies that have eczema to be putting on like synthetic fibers and and um so things aren't really coming in as fast because i haven't been putting myself out there as much mm -hmm. i want to learn how to put myself how do i approach other parents how do i approach people for consignment stuff that's that's really what i want to learn
Because now that I've learned the basics of the brands and what will sell and what's in demand, I want to learn how to approach people for consignment. How do I take things on? How do I store things differently than my stock? Because like I have my things all separated, but I have like a bin of somebody else's stuff or some of the things are mixed in and I have to remember what's not mine. Mm -hmm. well, you are in I the right that. place. I can tell you that you are in the right place for advice here. Um, and I mean, we do have episodes on, you know, putting yourself out there in different ways to attract um, clients or just, I mean, but basically the, the main way to do it is to just talk about what you do um, and be very specific, very specific. Can I put a little plug out there for yeah. that? coaching services. So I did a session with Libby and Sam and they were amazing. I'm just going to say, even if you, if you want to do ongoing coaching, they offer that or a one-time session just to kind of help with your immediate questions. I would say hit them up. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Very sweet. That was, it was really fun. That was really fun to do. We, that's, that's what, that's what we live for, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, we love it. Yeah. But yeah, I'm going to piggyback on what Libby said. The biggest thing is just talking about what you do. Um, I mean, I, I'll go to the doctor's office and they'll ask, you know, what's your occupation? And I say, I sell people's unwanted things. And they go, what? And then that just gets that conversation going. I mean, you can literally just, anywhere you go, people ask what you do or or where you work. And it can just, don't be afraid to talk about it. I, I sell used children's clothing. And then they're going to look at you and go, huh? <laughs> and you can then explain that you, you do it online and what your process is. And that, that will usually spark a nod to say, you know, somebody else, Hey, Hey, did you know that she does the, and once you get a couple, then they tell a couple more and they tell a couple more. And eventually you'd be like, please stop telling your friends. That's when they yeah. end up in story time at the library and they tell all the people at the library who you mm -hmm. are and what you do. Yeah. Yep. She's, she's giving me Starbucks money every month now. And all I have to do is give her the clothes. My kid go gross. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I, it, like, it, it gets to the point where like, I, I haven't put my magnets back on my car because I like people track you down when you, they will, I've been stopped at traffic lights. Like people are like, roll down your window. Like, Hey, <laughs> um, yep. so like it, it can get a little overwhelming. So just, you know, it, it might seem like, but cause once that ball starts rolling, it gets out of control really, really quickly. Um, so ask this real quick. Yeah, Ashley, do you have your um, consigner agreement? Do you have a consigner agreement to share with? Okay, that's step one before yep. you go into all the others. That's step one. Yeah, because you need to have your game plan before people come knocking at your door, especially because you you have a niche. You know what you want. You know what you're looking for, and you can put all that in writing in an emailable you know, document to just say, this is what I'm willing to accept. These are my terms and boom, you got it right there. Yep. And it's not a scary contract. It's not scary. Um, <laughs> I made it harder than it was when in the beginning, I'm sure Libby made it harder than it was in the beginning. Like we no, we have a sample one at consignmentchats.com. And we again, have tons of episodes where we talk about the different points that you should have in there. And yeah, you, you know what you want and you can start out small, just taking, you know, just a couple boxes at a time kind of thing and having people test out, test with some of your own items as far as your inventory structure goes and like coming up with how to organize things. Take a, 
take the next batch of stuff that you have or a, a batch you already have and figure out how you're going to separate that. And that's going to be test A, client A, and play around with all of that. So how do you sort out clients that want to get rid of their lower end items that you don't want to consign? How do you respond to people when they give you stuff and you're like, yeah, this is not what I saw. Just tell them, no, you don't have, it's all about your time. That's the one resource you only have so much of. And so, you know, this is good advice about the consignment thing. Um, you know, I'm glad you're already charging 50%. I think I told mm -hmm. Libby and confess one time that my first uh, consignment, I, I only charged 10%. And I was paying the eBay fees. And so, you know, mm -hmm. it's a long journey. Uh, but yeah, your your time is so precious. So you have to really just uh, be upfront with people and, to, and, you know, maybe tell them, hey, you could learn how to sell online and do this yourself. You know, think of sure. some good answers. Yeah, I like that response a lot, Jason, to tell them if it's something you can't, hey, I'm willing to, you know, give you point you in the right direction to sell those items yourself, but those aren't the items I have time for. Yeah. Now um, I offer a, like a, for my um, consignment clients, I kind of offer a service because I get, they don't want to sort through stuff and figure out what's high and they don't know, right? Like they could have Chanel and Old Navy in the same been like they just mm -hmm. you know it's just the way a lot of people work and i think that's so i say i will go to your stuff things over twenty dollars in resale value um i will take on consignment and the rest i will donate for you and i provide that service but i also um charge sixty percent i earn sixty percent mm -hmm. uh for my regular clients so I'm kind of getting paid for my time, but I'm also not losing out on potential like people that just don't want to be bothered sorting. So kind of decide if maybe that's something you want to do is offer that sorting service and donate or whether you don't want to do that and you want to be super specific. I do that as well. Also, Kitizen, I don't sell on Kitizen. However, I did get a chance to talk with the CEO a couple of times who she's fantastic. Love her. Yes, she's so great. I had no idea she was the CEO for our first like 20 minutes of the conversation. Um, she, they have amazing brand list of like what's trending, what's hot, what's this, what's that. And that is something that you could incorporate too, is like, these are the brands that I'm looking for this season. Um, if you know that you have these otherwise, and then you could offer like Libby and I do where, you know, just drop everything off. We'll sort through it. You can trust us to determine what's worth it and what's not. Yeah. No idea. I, I like that, that idea because I was thinking about sitting down for tea with them and going through items one by one. And I'm like, well, that would waste my time and theirs, wouldn't it? Yes. Yes. Oh, God. And yes. then and then that would also, they, that might hurt them too, because, especially with kids stuff, because you hold it up yeah. and you're like, you're like, well, no, this, yeah, this is, this is going to be in the donate pile or the no pile. And they're like, but that was Jimmy's first track suit from whatever and they get you know the emotional ties that come with that too and yeah that's a really good point that's a really good emotional yeah aspect of it I didn't even think about that before I was a reseller my first garage sale where I decided I'm not having any more kids I think Maria was about four we were done I cried during most of the garage sale my husband got a crash course in garage sale etiquette because I was in the back of the garage bawling my eyes out every time somebody bought one thing and he was like, uh, 50 cents, please. Just, just, you, you can have it. Just go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now I'm the first time I consigned, I did like a consignment sale. My ex-husband, oh my God. Yeah. He cried. He was, 
He was a mess right. getting rid of the stuff. Yeah, he he was like, oh my god, yeah, he was really like, unreal. get it out of here. <laughs> like, we need room. Get it out. Yeah, you. Yeah, we were the opposite. Bill was emotional. like, she's. Yeah. yeah, Bill was like, she's my number four. I'm good. I'm like, it's a baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, that's a really good point. All right, so uh, Jason, tell us about your model. Um, and maybe even throw in like thoughts you have for Ashley, because if she is going to niche down into um, children's clothes, what would you like? What are some good ideas for that? Yeah. So um, I guess one overall thing I was thinking is that all of us who've been doing this for a little while, it seems like there's an evolution of your reselling strategies and platforms. So like even Libby, you seem like you have, you know, you've Darwin to the point where now you know exactly (laughs) what you want to do and what model and whereas Samantha says, oh, no, I'm not touching children's clothes. Ashley is like going to put a magnet on her car saying, I'll take all your children's clothes. Uh, <laughs> Libby has one that she can send to you, but you have to change the address. But uh, so I think all that's great because what Ashley is going to learn in selling children's clothes is she's going to learn what are the good brands, what are the bad brands. And then someone's going to approach her with other items, jewelry, um, you know, other things that she can go and learn those. Um, mm-hmm. I just stumbled across a podcast uh, that I should have already known about, Suzanne A. Wells. I just found it yesterday, oh, yeah. literally. And I so I decided, okay, there's like a hundred something episodes. I'm going to go back to episode one. And part of her early episodes was talking about all the mistakes she had made, trying drop shipping and all these other things, mm-hmm. uh, selling electronics and all kinds of stuff. And, and so it was interesting. Um, the, I think it, you know, if you're going to stick with reselling, all of us are going to have things where we up and down and my example of that has always been trying to build my own platform, like build a store that was off eBay that I could send traffic to. And I've had two or three, I'm, I think I'm on my third iteration of that now. The other two platforms don't even exist anymore. There was this thing called a pro store, which actually eBay used to own. And it was like an early version of Shopify. And then I put a lot of effort into another one called CubeCart. And anyways, all that's now on the Wayback Machine. You can go look it up if you want. But, um, you know, we all kind of evolve. And so it's a journey um, for myself. Now I'm mostly eBay with a little bit of Shopify. I also do a, a, quite a bit of stuff in person uh, being that I sell a collectible, you know, there's collectible shows that I can go sell stuff to I have an antique mall as well. Um, I do a little bit of consignment. Those are my legacy consignment people. I wish I had found these ladies earlier. I would have had a little thing in my contract about how I'm not going to keep your stuff for 10 years. And 10 <laughs> years later, I'm still doing the, bookkeeping so I could send you a check like oh my god what am I doing um but there are old you men you can change I, that now you I know I thought I thought about email just and say sending them an email in the like, next three months we're done the done yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah 10 years I mean that that was a pretty good run that's a pretty good run I don't think anybody can complain oh, about that sadly the only ones I've let go are the ones who died which is like you know then I write the widow and say well you know here's a check and we're done uh, anyways, so don't get don't get caught in that. But um, and I've also had really this has not been mentioned, although Samantha has whole episodes about it. I've done really well on Facebook. Um, if you're selling a collectibles niche, there's going to be a lot of collectible of you know Facebook groups for that niche. And so I just happened to have helped start one in 2012, and I'm an admin for it. And so literally this week, I got back into posting stuff on there, and a couple of things I sold within five minutes, and that was just so fun. Uh, to do, but it's just more time consuming. Um, So yeah, I think it's really interesting, all these different models, uh, but it's a journey. And I, and again, I'll go back to this word of evolution. You know, we all kind of go through an evolution of our strategies and what's, what works. 
And don't be afraid to get rid of something if it's not working for you. Like, yes, I think we've all hung on to things like way too long. Um, I I definitely have Um, things that aren't working. Like sometimes it's okay to say, bye-bye, right? Like you're not making me money. I'm putting too much time into you. I'm, you know, and you really have to just kind of narrow your focus as, as you go. Don't be afraid to, you know, it might be working for Samantha. It's not working for me, you know, and, and that's okay. Can I say one thing about that Libby is that I think, uh, and listening to all these other, you know, YouTube people, the funny thing is people will talk about eBay and they'll say, Oh, you know, I tried blah, 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 blah. But you know how it always ends up? They end up back on eBay. They get frustrated <laughs> with eBay. They get angry at eBay. They get mad at eBay and they quit eBay, but they always seem to come back to eBay. So, uh, you know, this is not a plug. I don't own stock that I know of in a mutual fund, but, uh, <laughs> you know, don't, don't, uh, don't, you know, it's, it, I guess eBay is a four letter word, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you can't beat billions of views. Like that's all. It, billions. billions. Yes. Yes. I know. You know, another thing that was interesting that we about reselling in general that we learned right away was that we're not really in direct competition with each other because one thing sells well for us that doesn't sell well for somebody else. It's kind of this weird phenomenon. You know, we can sell clothes all day long, but we can't sell gaming systems to save our life. And our friend hates selling clothes, but she can sell gaming systems. So we swapped, like she gave us a bag of designer jeans and we gave her a bunch of Xboxes, you know, like, and it's just, you would think, okay, gaming systems, those sell well, those should sell well for anybody. No, not for us. No, it didn't. Mm -hmm. It is true. I mean, I've had people give me board games. They're like, I've had this sitting in my store for years. It's not, you're not going to be able to sell it. And I maybe photograph it different or part it out or do whatever. And I can sell it just fine. So yeah, it it just depends. We all have different audiences within the big audience. Uh Another thing, Ashley, is now you're already online and we know that that is, has the most viewers and, and the most profit potential. However, in order to get your name out there, if there's like a mom to mom clothing swap or mm-hmm. like flea market type thing going on in your area, that's like down, down into the clothing thing with kids, um, that might be something to sign up for and just take some of your stuff, especially some maybe your lower end stuff or whatever, showcase a couple of your other items, but just so you can go and talk to the other moms and get your name out there and, and tell people not necessarily to sell stuff, but more of the networking aspect of it. I think the networking aspect of it is more fun sometimes. For sure. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's a great idea. I've seen those. I've never attended one. So next time one comes up, I think I'm going to. Yeah. Bring some donuts and cookies and just hang out with the girls. You don't even have to sell anything. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'll I'll bring my uh, Goodwill donation bag of the stuff <laughs> just like this is this is not worth me my time and just exactly like, everybody can take what they want there you yep. go. it'll start it going yep. <laughs> so i so i'm curious like we all and it sounds like all of us have different like incorporate different strategies so consignment versus buy outright what um jason i know you just have legacy consigners really and um you generally buy outright. So what what did your decision-making process and that transformation kind of look like? And what were some factors involved in that? 
Yeah, so I think that uh, one thing you mentioned, which maybe I had not even thought about, is that doing consignment early in this journey allowed me to get the capital, the money, right, to then become someone who could go buy outright. And so I think consignment for me, the problem was that, you know, and do well, probably number one, I had lousy uh, consignment deals because I wasn't very <laughs> good at it. But, uh, but you know, just doing all the work and then, um, you know, having to write that big check at the end of the month to the consigner and, you know, mm -hmm. realizing that they were really, that I wish I was in their shoes, you know, not doing anything, getting all the money uh, seemed like a good deal. But for me, it, it became having a way to source uh, collections and, and things that I could buy. So uh, for me, that has been getting online, doing YouTube videos, a podcast, an email newsletter in my little niche again, collectibles niche. But being kind of someone that was a known person in that hobby, and then that just mm -hmm. naturally attracted people when they were ready to sell their collections, that they would contact me and allow me to to buy it. So among you know of the people who, who contact me, I don't buy from everybody because not everybody's really ready. Or some people are like, well, I don't know. I saw that on eBay sell for this. I'm like, okay, you're not the right person for me. But you know, some people are. So um, you, you can definitely make a lot more money. Uh, buying outright, but you also have to have the the capacity to store all this stuff, and then mm -hmm. just also the processes to get it listed quickly, or else you're going to have some uh, Melanie uh, death piles in shed number five in the back lot. <laughs> oh my gosh! So I really um, like the term "money mountain." <laughs> Thank you. That's so much more encouraging. <laughs> we like to take a positive swing on things. <laughs> yeah. So like when I did the buy outright model for a period of time, like I was just buying outright. I wasn't doing consignment. I guess it was probably about a year, maybe eight months, a year. Um, I ran into problems because processing the items like right on the spot and having to offer somebody, you know, 20% of retail, like people were, were fine with what I was offering them, but I was finding out like I'm putting out all this money and then I might find a stain after the fact, or I had to authenticate something on the spot and maybe I didn't do it correctly. Um, and it was really a lot of pressure to to be able to do that and put that money out and then, you know, just lose some of that. I mean, some of this stuff was unsaleable just because I missed a small hole or whatever, a small stain or it wasn't authentic. So um, that's kind of why I got away from that and got back into consignment. It was just the difficulties with that. Um, have any of you, Melanie, I know you've bought outright, Jason, you buy outright. Um would, did you have any concerns like that or helpful ways to maybe manage that instead of doing consignment? I think just for us, it just came down to just you have to be mindful, slow down. Don't worry about taking too much of their time, you know, whatever, because it it's going to come down to dollars and you've got to be careful. We did during lockdown. Um, a lady that does estate sales here in Vegas called us and she said, you know, I can't do an estate sale. Um, but there's this, uh, she was actually one of the very first Las Vegas showgirls and she had passed away and her sons were going through her estate. And she said, she offers, offered us the opportunity to come and buy out her like everyday clothes. We didn't get any of the costumes, unfortunately, but you know, just like her everyday clothes. Well, it wasn't, very her condo was not very well lit and they were all still in the in the closet 
So I just kind of looked, you know, I looked through them as best as I could and we made her a very fair offer. And even on the ones that had holes and stains and stuff, I think we were able to make money, but it was discouraging because there was, once we got them out and started going, you know, once we got them home and started going through them, I was like, oh my gosh, they're, these are in a lot worse condition than I thought. Um, but luckily we were, we were able to, to still turn a profit on, on that. Uh, and I think also for us in that particular instance, it was about building a relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, keeping that in mind as well, but we got, we got very fortunate early on one time Jill responded to an ad on marketplace. She was just going to go buy a mid-century lamp and she got to talking with this lady and she's been on, she was selling on eBay since 95, since the very beginning. Right. So she, she knew she'd been, you know, you know a student this whole time and she really knew and um, she says, well, I'm getting ready to have a garage sale, but really what I'd like is for you guys to just buy it all for $350. So Jill's looking at all this stuff and she's like, okay, this is, it's good stuff and it's in good condition. She says, let me go get my partner. I went over there and that ended up being two plus years of a relationship with this lady. And she just wanted it out. I mean, it was, we would pay, we would average maybe three to $5 an item and we probably the average our average sale price on her stuff was maybe was at least 20 some of it was you know we had this really cool geode table I think that we sold for like a thousand but you know it was just it was just we lucked out I mean Jill has racked up so many karma points that I just kind of ride on (laughs) coattails I've been very fortunate so far Um, but but in the process the other thing about Here's the other thing that it just dawned on me. And I used to tell her this all the time. We don't really work with her anymore, but I used to say, we learn so much from you because when you buy mm-hmm. out in a big lot, you're going to get stuff that you've never seen before. You've never heard about before. Mm-hmm. And it, all of it is a learning opportunity. And then you're able to just jump off and go to state sales and thrift stores or whatever. And you, you're just armed with so much more knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point about the, the learning opportunity when you buy out an estate. Yeah, definitely. I think I think the common thing too, and this and Ashley's already experiencing this is when you're when you're trying to resell stuff, you have to find the person that literally is like mentally they have written the stuff off and they they don't want it anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, that's my situation with memorabilia. I'm I'm contacted by families that are cleaning out houses, by people who are, you know, 70 years old. They've had the uncomfortable conversation with their kids and their kids don't want this mm-hmm. stuff and they don't want it thrown away. Actually, mm-hmm. you have people, I guess, you know, their kid's not six months old anymore. They've outgrown this. And so they want no, to sell it. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> right. So that's that that would be the thing about buying outright is finding those great opportunities where you're you're literally doing the person a favor in a way. And it's not so much about the money. And then that way you can make sure that you pay an amount where you're, you know, hopefully going to come right. out, you know, ahead since this is a business and you're not just doing this for fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a real, I mean, that is like a huge red flag. I know that's like my number one red flag is when somebody is not, somebody approaches me and they think they're, they're approaching me with the attitude that they're doing me a favor by letting me sell their stuff. Yeah, Um, That is like the number one red flag when somebody, well, here you need stuff. I'll give you this stuff to sell. Mm -mm. Or I think, you know, I'm not sure. Um, I always tell people, you know what, we have so much stuff. We're not in need of any stuff, but I can help you out. Like I have, you have to kind of turn the conversation there at that point. 
And if somebody gives any inkling of not being ready to sell, and Molly and I learned this over and over again the hard way, um, if any inkling that they are not ready to part with that stuff, immediately um, say to them, whether you're buying outright or consigning, it doesn't matter uh, for that point, but say to them, you know what? I, I don't think you're ready. I don't think you know, why don't you hold on to it when you're ready? I never want to take anything from anyone that they are not 100% ready to part with. And that's a good point, because I fear uh, building a resentment with parents, because I'm taking their children's clothes that they have sentimental uh, attachments to. And it's like, if they're not ready to let that sentimental go, like, I don't want them to hold that against me. I'd yeah, rather be their friend. Yeah. yeah. Just, there's yeah. enough consigners out there. There's enough, there's enough opportunity out there that you can say no to those people. And sometimes they come back. Mm-hmm. I had a ready. conversation. I had this conversation once a year with a friend of ours for probably like six or seven years. And she wasn't ready. She would talk about it. She'd ask questions. I'd show her my terms. It never went anywhere. It was uh, just, just get back to me. It's okay. It's okay. And then eventually she was ready. And then I realized that her kids are teenagers and she is now bringing me their stuff from their rooms when they were, you know, had nurseries and it's vintage 90s stuff like, (laughs) (laughs) and she really wasn't ready, but now she is. And now it's a honey hole. It's great. (laughs) Yeah. I had a garage sale like that. It was amazing. I totally (laughs) agree with it. Yeah, so definitely, I I think that whether you're consigning or buying outright, just being able to say no and say, why don't you just get back to, you know, get back to me, I'm going to be here. Um, It's just not the right time for you. I don't I want to make sure you are 100 percent, 100 percent ready to let go of these items. Yeah, I'll I'll tell one story on myself, because it's just literally ongoing. I have a family in the Northeast where the uh, brother died, and they've been reaching out to me about the collection. And um, I've, I've done a FaceTime video with the sister looking at the stuff and I've talked to them, but, you know, they, uh, it wasn't their stuff. And so they don't really know what it's worth, but they're very mistrustful of anyone coming in and buying it because they don't believe that they, anyone would give them a good deal. And so I basically told them, I'm not, I'm not the right person for you because there's no way I'm going to drive all the way like eight or 10 hours to come look at this stuff and you're not ready to sell it so uh for sure i don't usually do this because i'm always very excited about buying these collections but i've told them no and that's really hard to do but it was definitely the best thing for my business yeah 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 just saying like it, it's it's you know it's really just not a good not, not a good fit like we have yeah. to have a mutual yeah. you know a trust right. because there's nothing worse we had this happen in the storefront where somebody came in with this high-end handbag they thought they were ready to let go of oh. they leave it and you go through you meaning i sat there and went through all the research to authenticate and get it listed and photograph it and it was up and a week later she comes in i, I want it back I, I i made a mistake i i, I <laughs> Right. Like and that. that's when you grab all of their stuff and say, <laughs> here you go. Yeah. 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 So, do you yeah. ever charge people for your time when that happens? We had Libby, what was our system? They had, they could buy it back from they us. They could buy it back from us. But not, yeah. you know, it wasn't at the listed price. It was, but it was enough to cover our fees and time. Yeah. They we wouldn't just give it back at that point because yeah. the work was done. They'd have to buy it back. 
but it was horrible across the board. Like, because not, mm-hmm. not, it's not just about my time, but my heart also broke for them because they were really upset. They did it. Like, that's why mm-hmm. you really, that was part of the process of us actually learning. Everything's learning the signs of somebody who wasn't ready. I mean, she was part of our learning process early on in the business. Yeah. So, you know, you, you got to really listen to what they're saying and how they're saying it so that you don't get caught up in that mistake. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I can't, I'd like, that is the number. I, I would say that's like number one after you get your agreement together is learn, you know, learn to, to see those things and listen to people. And if they're not ready, you will save yourself so much time, energy, money, heartache by just yeah. saying not a good fit. Yeah. yeah. And I think the biggest thing to avoid those situations to begin with is once you have your agreement ready and you know, for sure your terms, which you sounds like you're well on your way to that. Yeah. is to just be super transparent with it. Like whether you're going to do pop-up sales or online or whatever it is, just let them know, these are the things I'm looking for. This is how my style works. This is when they expire and just be open with all of it. I do, I do lots of different things. I'm online all the time, but sometimes I'll have a community garage sale and I will reach out to those people that I know have the lower end things that I usually auction locally or I do in bulk and I'll reach out to them and say, I'm going to have a garage sale. Your stuff is going to sell for a dollar a piece. Like that's just, that's the general, it's going to be a cheap one. However, I can take your whole garage full of stuff this weekend and we can get it out of here for you. Like if you're upfront about that, everything's fine. If they think you're taking their garage full of stuff and you're going to put it on Kitizen, they're not going to be happy. <laughs> but you sold it in the yard sale. Yeah. Yeah. True. Yeah. I don't have the heart to do that. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I got to learn more about Kittison from you at some point, Ashley, since you've been in it, because I keep wanting to jump over there. I've got a lot of children's things I need to move over there. And after talking to the CEO and falling in love with her, I keep saying I'm going to take that leap. So I'm going to reach out to you uh, when I get back from vacation so we can. I can Ooh. pick your brain on that. Learn something. Be nice and relaxed and ready to, for a new start. That's right. <laughs> ready to take the next leap. But y'all, this has been so much fun. This is all of us doing what we love, talking about the business that we love and having more friends come do it with us. It's not just the three of us chatting our heads off. So it's nice <laughs> to have the three of you. We can't thank you enough for joining us. Thank you. Mm-hmm. we'll be doing another round table in the near future i know this was our longest break between them but we will have some more in the future right ladies oh yeah we have some good yes. topics coming up too for sure are there brick so, if there are brick and mortar store people listening and they're like well i didn't feel represented i want i have questions i have input comment below and then let's get another one going yeah. we want to gotcha. hear you we invite you here <laughs> We probably have to do it at off hours because brick and mortar store owners are definitely not uh, available at this time. We're doing this recording. And we will comment and let us know when we should do that. (laughs) We're a little more flexible. Yes. yes. (laughs) All right. Does everybody have a cup near you? Because we got to do our our cheers leaving out. If not, find something that will represent one. Let's see. Jason going to have a Boy Scout mug? No oh no, that's not even Boy Scout. Until next Cheers. time. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for joining Libby, Molly, and Samantha, the ladies of Consignment Chats. 
as we build a resourceful community of collaborative resellers. Find all the ways to connect with us on consignmentchats.com. Episodes are available on YouTube and anywhere you get your podcasts. In addition, join our free private Facebook community.